In a time of deep suffering, King David prayed the following. You have recorded my lament, placed my tears in a bottle. You have recorded them in your book. What a comfort it is to know that in times of sickness, in, in the storms of life, in the midst of deep tragedy, when it seems that we are all alone in our sorrow, what a comfort it is to know that our God is there that he has counted and kept track of every one of our tears. Lamentations is a book about tears, uh, about grief. So why study it? It's not exactly a a feel-good read. In fact, some have described it as a real downer. It is a collection of five laments. A lament is a poem of sorrow or mourning. You could call these funeral poems. So, why study funeral poems? May I suggest three reasons? First, Lamentations helps us to understand what God's people felt when the city of Jerusalem fell to the Babylonians. The destruction of the city and the accompanying ruin of the temple was the most catastrophic, the most horrendous day in Israel's history. Everything they thought was theirs the city of Zion, the dynasty of King David, the temple of the Lord, the promised land, it all went up in flames. Second Kings chapters 24 and 25 will give you the facts in their brutal. But Lamentations gives you the raw emotions, emotions that are honest and dark and even volatile at times, which is probably why Lamentations is one of the least read in studied books of the Bible. We don't quite know what to do when faced with this kind of raw emotion. We're uncomfortable with suffering of this magnitude and the depth of the grief that goes along with it. We said Lamentations is a collection of five poems. We might ask the question, why use poetry to express such a serious subject? An author by the name of Eugene Peterson once wrote, Poets use words to drag us into the depths of reality itself, not by reporting on how life is, but by push-pulling us into the middle of it. Poetry gets at the heart of existence. Far from being cosmetic language, it is intestinal. That's the book of Lamentations. Why study this book on grief? because it drags us into the reality of what happened to God's people. It forces us to see and consider their pain and confusion. And by experiencing it, we learn. And here's the second reason to study this book. We learn how to express our own grief, how prayerful lament is part of our journey in this sin-broken world. Even though we can't draw a one-to-one application from Israel's circumstances to our own, Lamentations does teach us to face our pain. It teaches us to hope without glossing over the trauma. It gives us permission to cry out, to vent, to plead in the presence of God and of one another. It lets us ask the hard questions. How 
Lord, how could this happen? It shows us how to give honest expression to our feelings. Lamentations, as we'll see in chapter 5, moves us from individual lament to lamenting together with God's people, pleading together. Paul says, when one part of the body suffers, every part suffers with it. And we sing in one of our hymns, Oh, how good it is on this journey that we share to rejoice with the happy and weep with those who mourn. Yes, the Bible tells us we are to grieve alongside our brothers and sisters who have suffered loss. Lamentations shows us how. So this is the second reason to study Lamentations. It shows us how to grieve, how to express our sorrow. But if that is where it stopped with those first two reasons, if that's all there was, I would still say, let's study something else. But here's the third reason, and the most important. Lamentations points us to Jesus, who bears all our grief. Lamentations points us to a God of compassion, of love, and of faithfulness. In spite of our sins, his mercies are new every morning. Yes, on this side of heaven, we will face grief, and sometimes horrendous grief. But we do not, as Paul writes, grieve as those who have no hope. We know that all of our grief and sin has been carried by someone else, Jesus. And so we know that every tear will be wiped away when Jesus returns or calls us home. That doesn't mean we gloss over the pain. It's just that we know that the glory waiting for us is so amazing it it outweighs our suffering here. Much of the suffering of God's people expressed in Lamentations are little pictures of what Jesus would suffer as he became sin for us. A a couple more things by way of introduction before we get into the book itself. We said Lamentations is poetry, each chapter a poem. Chapters 1, 2, and 4 are what we call acrostic poems, meaning each line of poetry begins with a successive letter of the Hebrew alphabet, which consists of 22 letters. So, Chapters 1, 2, and 4 have 22 verses. If the book were written in English, the first line would begin with A, the second with B, and so on. Chapter 3 is also acrostic, but every three lines begins with a new letter, so it has 66 verses, three times 22. Chapter 5 is still poetry, but it's not acrostic. The writer of Lamentations is not identified in the book, so we can't definitely say who wrote it, but there's a strong tradition and reliable tradition that it was Jeremiah. And the style of the book and what we know of Jeremiah's life certainly fits. So in this study, we're going to go with Jeremiah as the writer. So let's get started and let's begin with prayer. Lord Jesus, You once said that the Old Testament scriptures testify of you. Help us to see you as we study this book. In our grief and our suffering, help us to look to you whose compassion never fails. In every time of trouble, may we put our hope in you. Amen. Lamentations chapter 1 focuses on the grief and shame of a figure called Lady Zion. 
The poet personifies the city of Jerusalem as a widow he calls Lady Zion. She sits alone, mourning the loss of her loved ones, devastated, all alone, with no one to comfort her. Verse 1. How deserted lies the city, once so full of people. How like a widow is she, who once was great among the nations. She, who was queen among the provinces, has now become a slave. Bitterly she weeps at night, tears are on her cheeks. Among all her lovers there is no one to comfort her. All her friends have betrayed her. They have become her enemies. David Gostek in the People's Bible writes, Memories flooded over Jeremiah like they would a person who returns to the quiet, deserted remnants of a childhood home, perhaps an old farmhouse slowly going to ruin. For a moment this person does not see the weeds pushing through the rotted porch, the broken windows, or the sagging roof. No, he, he hears the voices of children playing. He smells freshly baked bread put out to cool. He joins in the big family picnic and the baseball game that follows. But soon the quiet returns and he leaves, for what he saw and smelled is all in the past. So the prophet reflected on the silence of this once great city. Jeremiah captures the deep pain with the words repeated throughout the chapter. There is no one to comfort her. Verse 3. After affliction and harsh labor, Judah has gone into exile. She dwells among the nations. She finds no resting place. All who pursue her have overtaken her in the midst of her distress. The roads to Zion mourn, for no one comes to her appointed festivals. All her gateways are desolate. Her priests groan, her young women grieve, and she is in bitter anguish. Her foes have become her masters, her enemies are at ease. The Lord has brought her grief because of her many sins. Her children have gone into exile captive before the foe. All the splendor has departed from daughter Zion. Her princes are like deer that find no pasture. In weakness they have fled before the pursuer. In the days of her affliction and wandering, Jerusalem remembers all the treasures that were hers in days of old. When her people fell into enemy hands, there was no one to help her. Her enemies looked at her and laughed at her destruction. The allies the Jewish nation had put their trust in became her enemies. They attacked as the Jews were led into exile, and they seized the land that was left behind. The false gods the Jews worshipped proved powerless. Their leaders were taken away in chains. Their priests had failed to do their duty. Now they had no duties to do since there was no longer a temple. They remembered the treasures they once enjoyed, and now it was all ruins and ashes. Verse 8. Jerusalem has sinned greatly, and so has become unclean. All who honored her despise her, for they have all seen her naked. She herself groans and turns away. Her filthiness clung to her skirt. She did not consider her future. Her fall was astounding 
There was none to comfort her. Look, Lord, on my affliction, for the enemy has triumphed. The enemy laid hands on all her treasures. She saw pagan nations enter her sanctuary, those you had forbidden to enter your assembly. All her people groan as they search for bread. They barter their treasures for food to keep themselves alive. Look, Lord, and consider, for I am despised. By nature, left to ourselves, our sins make us filthy and unclean. Without the Lord, Lady Zion could see herself as she really was. Her sin clung to her, like filthiness clinging to her skirts. Unbelieving pagans poured through the temple doors, but not to worship the one true God. Now they poured in to pillage and to destroy. Material wealth was the Jews' life ambition. Now, all those earthly treasures they had stored up were gone. With little they had left, they bartered just to stay alive. Their sinful rebellion had brought this suffering. They had put their trust in earthly things, and now it was all gone. But still, trusting in God's mercy, they cried out to the Lord, to their Savior God. Verse 12. Is it nothing to you, all you who pass by? Look around and see. Is any suffering like my suffering that was inflicted on me, that the Lord brought on me in the day of his fierce anger? From on high he sent fire, sent it down into my bones. He spread a net for my feet and turned me back. He made me desolate, faint, all the day long. My sins have been bound into a yoke. By his hands they were woven together. They have been hung on my neck, and the Lord has sapped my strength. He has given me into the hands of those I cannot withstand. The Lord has rejected all the warriors in my midst. He has summoned an army against me to crush my young men. In his winepress the Lord has trampled virgin daughter Judah. Lady Zion pleads with those who pass by to feel something. How could they walk by and not notice her pain? But her plea brought no response. The pain was so great it had gotten into her bones. The Lord had fastened her sins around her neck like a heavy yoke, and it has crushed her like, like grapes being trampled in a wine press. As you hear these verses, do you notice the parallel? To Jesus' sin-bearing work? Like Lady Zion, Jesus weeps over Jerusalem. Like her, he is abandoned by his closest friends, ridiculed by his enemies, and publicly shamed. And there was no one there to comfort him, not even his God, for he cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Like Lady Zion, he is defiled by sin, though it was not his own. Paul wrote, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God. And Isaiah puts it this way, Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. 
but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. Only two sections of Lamentations come up in the series of readings we use in worship in church. This is one of them. These verses are often read on Good Friday. Verse 16. This is why I weep and my eyes overflow with tears. No one is near to comfort me, no one to restore my spirit. My children are destitute because the enemy has prevailed. Zion stretches out her hands, but there is no one to comfort her. The Lord has decreed for Jacob that his neighbors become his foes. Jerusalem has become an unclean thing among them. The Lord is righteous, yet I rebelled against his command. Listen, all you peoples, look on my suffering. My young men and my young women have gone into exile. I called to my allies, but they betrayed me. My priests and my elders perished in the city while they searched for food to keep themselves alive. See, Lord, how distressed I am. I am in torment within, and in my heart I am disturbed, for I have been most rebellious. Outside the sword bereaves, inside there is only death. People have heard my groaning, but there is no one to comfort me. All my enemies have heard of my distress. They rejoice at what you have done. May you bring the day you have announced so they may become like me. Let all their wickedness come before you. Deal with them as you have dealt with me because of all my sins. My groans are many and my heart is faint. Judah confessed her sin, calling it what it was, rebellion. And she had paid dearly. She had lost her young people. They were carried away into captivity in Babylon. Her leaders were dying of starvation. She warns her enemies not to gloat over her fall, but rather to repent or be warned. The Lord would deal with them the way he had dealt with her. And that's the end of the first lament, the end of chapter 1. Next week, chapter 2. If you have any questions or comments, you can text me at 513-600-9568. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace.